The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, we are discussing all things money. We are going into dating and relationships with the best person equipped to do both of those, the millionaire matchmaker herself, Patty Stanger. Patty, I am so wildly intrigued by your work. And on top of it, my Jewish mother is obsessed with you. So I I am uh, like, you're Jewish. Well, if we go to Israel, I'm Jewish because my mother's Jewish and my father's Catholic. Okay. Okay. There you go. I'm Shabbat Shalom. Okay. I'm the opposite. I'm Jewish, but I was adopted and my mother was Catholic. That's oh, amazing. Weird. And did, so have you been out to Israel? Did you do birthright? Anything like that? Yes, I did. When we, when I was, I'm older than you. When I was in my twenties, there was no birthright. So I saved all my money and I went to Israel for two weeks on my own in the summer and did the whole oh deal. Ended up in a lot with all the hotties. <laughs> my mother made me throw him back. <laughs> Like, no, no, you're not marrying this one, you know. Israel is, I mean, just like you just said, first of all, the people, there are some damn good looking people. Oh my God, they look nothing like Ashkenazi Jews in New York. They are gorgeous. Like, think of all the major stars that are Jewish. Think of Gal Gadot. Like, hello. Yeah. And if you go to like Tel Aviv, you have this picture of what that would be like. Tel Aviv is like freaking Miami, like beautiful beaches and water and partying. It's unbelievable. And then you go to old Jerusalem and it's like the most historic place literally in the planet everyone needs to go to israel if that's one takeaway from this episode we- the food is amazing the food was amazing oh. i like mediterranean food so i'm like i love those israeli breakfasts you know oh, like hummus, baby hummus right oh, give it to me unbelievable and the other thing and before we get into the you know the crux and the meat of this conversation one thing i was blown away it's kind of a, a life learning lesson for me is when we went there to israel we were right outside that we went to visit the iron dome iron dome is technology that was invented by uh, israel that's been adopted by the united states long story short gaza was launching missiles in so they created this technology to detonate a missile that would gps find that missile and then detonate it from coming in to Israel. So it's technology we adopted, but I talked to this girl. She was 16 years old, living in literally probably like a 10 by 10 foot iron cell and just beautiful girl. And I go up to her and I said, like, I just got to ask you a question. Like, I'm sure as a kid, you have these dreams of like what you're going to do with your career and, and what it's going to look like. Did you ever imagine at 16, you're sitting here like working as, a, as someone that's in the, the army for the country, uh, defending and living in these quarters? And she, she looked back at me and she said to me, she said, I never thought about it like that. But for me, what motivates me, if I'm here working on this field, knowing that what I'm doing is putting my family and friends in a better safe spot, I know the work I'm doing is right. And that's where I should be. And I was so blown away by the maturity and how different, like, you know, our youth is, you know, 16 years old, we got kids ripping TikToks for millions of dollars. I can't believe you're Jewish. And no wonder I like you. That's probably why, because I said, and we were talking before we started the show, what an amazing experience it was watching Caitlin win the win the, the globe, whatever they give you, and then you and your best friend jumping out of your seats. I watched it like three times. I was like, that is an amazing boyfriend. That Aww. is that every girl wants. Seriously, when when Kristen Cavallari, I'll tell you a quick story. When Kristen Cavallari was doing dancing, 
they broke up her and Jay because Jay didn't want her to do it. And he wasn't that supportive, but then he eventually sat in the chair, but it wasn't like you where you're like, go girl, go girl. Like it was really exciting. I I appreciate for me. Like she was living her dream. And on top of it, I saw the work she put in seven hours a freaking day coming back beat up and for it to all work out through the roller coaster. Back to back. Like, I mean, I don't think there'll be never a slot that they don't have a bachelorette or a bachelor person, male, female from the show again, because now they know that's the sweet spot. That show, like, you took that show up to the next level. There okay. you go. Caitlin B and Hannah B. Patty's yeah. a fan of yours. And <laughs> uh, it was a, it was a cool run, but I want to get into Patty, your, your life, your role. Uh, I think it's, it's amazing. The work you do, I'm fascinated. We were preparing for this and I just, I was like, I was looking up YouTube videos and doing all this reach. I'm like, this shit is crazy. And so I first want to talk about like the application process. Like as, as a guy that's, you know, in finance and money, I'm curious, like for someone to be in Millionaires Club. I see that you have over a hundred thousand members. Like, how does it work? Like, how does the application process work? And even as far as like, how do you know that someone is a genuine millionaire? And how do you guys define millionaire? Um, first of all, anybody can join, whether you're millionaire or not millionaire. The okay. millionaires pay me because they get as many dates as they want for about fourteen months. The non-millionaires are registering, but they're not guaranteed a date. And that's why it's free. So we do everything from straight dating to gay dating, pansexual, fluid, just trying to get into trans. I'm working on that diligently. Different kind of specialty. I'm going to hire probably somebody who knows what. Then when I get my first client, then I'm going to hire somebody who knows that area so that I don't think that I know better than them. But we service all around the world. We're a global company. We're not just in the United States. Everybody thinks, oh, we're just here in in LA or New York or Miami, whatever. No, we're actually global. And the men come in and then we check them out. And I have a secret system for checking people out's money. Are they nice to women? Are they nice to men? Like, you know, there's millionaires too. And if they're not, and they're not for me, we have an referral program, which we like an affiliate program, which we refer out to our affiliate matchmakers that we work with at the Matchmakers Institute. But most times I take them on and I know whether who's rich or not. Look, if you go to drinks with someone pre-COVID and I and they're bragging that they just sold their company for four hundred million dollars and then they're going, they're asking me to pay the check. Like they don't got money. Okay. (laughs) We just don't look at how people's manners are or they're super cheap. You know, they might be like the Warren Buffett who doesn't want to get divorced because it costs him too much money. You know what I mean? And I'm really careful about who I bring in the club. I don't have gold diggers. They sign paperwork that says that they can't hunt and fish for gold. Um, If they do, they'll get (laughs) thrown out of the club. But most men lead with their money. So it's their fault. Like in other words, lead with your trips and your expensive jewelry and all this shit, then, then it's their fault. It's not my fault. I don't tell that, them to do that. But that's something that's like very curious to me. And, and, and I know that most millionaires, if you look it up and do the research, usually drive a Ford F-150 or a Toyota Corolla, actually the, the opposite of some of the things you just described there. Yes, so ambiguous car, the Prius, or now, you know, now, you know, that Elon Musk's cars are not cheap because you have to pay for it outright. Right now I'm right. sure they're doing financing and whatnot, but like back in the day, it was the Prius because you could be green and be rich, but you could be poor and be cool. So it was the ambiguous car, but now so, we have Kia and all these other companies coming out with the electric car. So there'll be a whole different Patty, world. I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. How, how much money, how much money do I need to be worth? How much money do, do I need to make oh, to, to get guaranteed dates? To get, well, to get we, guaranteed we, dates. 
Well, you're not bad looking, so I think you would get dates regardless. You're very handsome. Thank and you. number two, I like guys like they're they're trust fund kids who make like who maybe left home with five hundred thousand or two fifty, and they put in the bank and they watch it multiply. I'm sure Jason can teach you how to make money. Okay, but the bottom line is most of our millionaires have million dollars in some form of equity, like you know whether it's you know, in the bank, in investments, owns a house or under the mattress. So yeah. you make them prove, you make them prove that through statements and stuff. And no, we have, a, them a, we have a system that we prove. First of all, our, okay. our money, we're not the most expensive matchmaker, mm-hmm. but my prices are not cheap. We, we get wire transfers and there are no credit cards. You get the money up front. And the reason is because back in the day at Great Expectations, when I ran that company, people would use their credit card, get one date, marry the person, then charge back to American Express or Visa and say, you know what? I only got one date because it's unlimited dating. So it would go back and forth. And if you were in Amex court, Amex would take the side of the cardholder. So we have self-protection on our side that the money's paid to us up front, like a country club in that respect. Yeah. And, and I have a question. This is something that just completely intrigues me. Some of these people you talk about have found just exorbitant success. So yeah. obviously they have certain skill sets that they're oh, able yeah. to drive success. And it's fascinating. I, you hear about some of these stories in the news and these people that are doing things that are just completely disgusting. And, and I'm just, and I, I don't want to even go near that. But what I'm curious about is the people that you meet that are, that are brilliant. Some of the smartest people in the world. What is it? Why is it that they're so channeled in one way, but they can't form a relationship with someone? Okay, so let's look at you. You're really handsome. You got it going on. You went on The Bachelor at, right? Yeah. And like you were, you had no fear of being on television and being in the media and getting the right girl. Like I, I heard the story about Caitlin where uh, <laughs> she was dating the other guy, the other guy, the loser guy. I didn't like him. <laughs> and then you saw her and went, yeah, she's it. And you went after her and you, and she's like, whoa, I just got to have a relationship. I can't handle this right now. So you have like no fear in game, in love. Obviously, your mother raised you right. Okay. okay thanks, and Mom. you have good foundation in love. These kids, 90% of them, the tech nerds, the, you know, the, the Zuckerbergs of the world. Sure. They didn't get love in high school. They didn't get love in junior high. They didn't get that cheerleader. And they think if they make money, that gets them to the golden pond, to the universe, you know, they're going to get the unicorn because they made money. So they're striving to make money. So they think that's the next level to get to love. Not like I can love and money will come later. You understand? Interesting. If you see the first scene of social network, he's pissed off the girls like, dude, I don't want you. You're an asshole. And then he's like, I'm going to burn her by making Facebook, which is I rate the women. And that's because I'm so angry. We call those nasty nerds. Okay. Nasty nerds. There's thousands, millions of them. Everybody thinks you take a nerd home. A a cop girl goes, well, I'm so beaten up by the bad boy, the good looking bad boy. I'm going to take a hot nerd home with me who makes money like a tech nerd. I'm going to clean him up, take him on a trip to Barney's, redo his wardrobe, you know, and I'll make him a man. And then he snaps on her and bites her like a dog would bite its owner, like a bull, you know, a pit bull. And she's like, where did that come from? Because he was always nasty from the beginning because he was resentful. He never got the girl in high school. Wow. And so you think a lot of these things stem from our childhood and the way we're taught. Your friend is shaking his head right now. He's going, yes, yes. I know, I know those guys, right? You know those guys. The bitter, yeah. we call them bitter bills. It's a tale as old as time though. I mean, that's fascinating to hear it like that and related to something we've seen in social network. I think yeah. that's fascinating. Okay, good story is Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. 
Okay. Steve Jobs got every girl he ever looked at, even though he was nasty to his first girlfriend who had the baby with Lisa. Okay, that's a whole other, that's a psychological mm-hmm. thing because he's adopted and angry and angry at the world. But mm-hmm. Bill Gates couldn't get chicks. They both drop out of college. They both go to computer fairs. Nobody looks at Bill. Yet Bill's the real genius in the whole world. In the sure. Team, right? I mean, he's he's giving 50% of his money away. So he meets a girl at work. He says, let's set up a date. She's like, I, I'm going out of town. He says, that's okay. We'll still set up the date. This is what a nerd would do. So he goes, we're going to go to a movie in, in, in two different cities. At the end of the movie, we're going to come back and have our date and discuss the movie. She goes to one movie theater. He goes to another. They end up talking. I mean, can you imagine what sex is like with Bill Gates? They're a virtual <laughs> movie. And they end up getting married. Okay. That's his wife. That's a true story about his wife. Because he didn't know how to be, you know, the guy like you who has game. He had no game. And he so didn't have you- him. So I coach these guys where it's like a one-stop shop process. Not only are you going to get the girl, but you're not going to, you're going to close her. I'm the closer. Would you attribute the same? So obviously we're talking about like a nerdy techie millionaire. You got Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Let's take the other side of the spectrum. Let's take a Tiger Woods, who is the best athlete in the world at one point. That is, that's a, that's look, that is a pussy magnet. Okay. That is a guy, no matter what you do, women are going to throw themselves because they're in sports. So all the NBA players, all the football players, why do you think all the football players go through their money so fast? Some chick is like claw woman on them and they don't have to handle their money. But that is a, that is a good looking guy, dresses nice, plays golf in a very VIP sport. Who wouldn't want to date him? But do you think, think he had the same thing? Like growing up, he couldn't, he was like a nerd. He was a nerd. No, he didn't no, get girls. No. He couldn't talk sports, to girls. Sports guys don't have to say two words and women are just going to throw themselves. They, they're swimmers, there's golfers, there's tennis players. They're all the same. So with all these millionaires that you work with, if there is one common lesson that you have to teach them that is separating their brains from their hearts when it comes to uh, finding a relationship, what is the number one gap with these people in general that you're, you're instilling on them? That they're enough. And this is goes for everybody in the whole wide world, that they're enough, that they don't have to, to buy, do, take me, Gucci, Fendi, Prada, that they're enough. It's, it's look, I tell them the three C's, no credit card, no condo, no cash. Leave those at the door. You can buy a piece of jewelry, you can take her on a vacation, but the minute you start doing these things and you're not engaged and you're not living with her, okay, you create a monster. So you're don't telling me some of these guys are don't lead with your fucking money, lead with your heart. Wait, these guys, cause this is a world I don't know about. These guys are literally buying girlfriends and just whatever yeah. cre- condos, oh condos, houses, cars, cash, you There's name the whole it. Industry, sugar baby industry, right? Sugar sugar baby. Sugar baby. Seeking arrangement, seeking arrangement. It's yeah. a whole, it's a whole, OJ, it's, it's a whole. And we don't take those guys. Let me tell you something. We don't have the guys that do the arrangement. I'm not going to jail for anybody. I'm not Heidi Fleiss. This is never happening. I, I'm the relationship-minded business. I sure. get you in a relationship or marriage. You don't have to get married. You can yeah. get in a relationship. But I'm going to give you love so you never have to look for love again. I tell the guys to go to Vegas. How much money do you spend in a week in Vegas? Look, I don't know, $150,000. You know, like that's what they do. They, they roll the dice. They get in these big rooms. They play poker. And I go, what if you paid me that money and you never had to look for love again? I would save you a lot of money because you'd probably be nesting at home, pizza, jacuzzi, watching Netflix and getting a little late. 
Wouldn't that be great? There's gaps in every single business and this is one of them. So let's, let's actually get into this, Patty. So how did you start? I mean, that's a great segue to the money that's in this world. Clearly a demographic where they're willing to throw that kind of money to solve those problems. How did you get into this business? My mom was a matchmaker and so was my grandmother. My mom got, my grandmother got my mom married. They got divorced. They, she was like Mrs. Maisel in 1960-something. <laughs> and she was like, what am I going to do next? I dropped out of college. I don't have any money. And my grandmother's like, you better get married again. And she married the millionaire, my father. And then he went on a roller coaster ride to, to with his money. He was up and down. He was an alcoholic. We never knew if the lights were being turned off. I lived in Short Hills, New Jersey. I lived in a very wealthy neighborhood. And so I learned early to make my own money. So the number one rule I teach my girls is you better have your own money because you don't know if he's going to become a made off or run off with it. Okay. And then I was like, what's going to make this person want love is the fact that they have all this money and they have no one to share it with. Well, what if there was a broker that could do that? So everybody told me I was crazy because I come from a matchmaking background and I did run Great Expectations, the largest dating service. And it was the time when millionaires were on LA streets on every street corner. Tech was blowing up. You know, Clinton was president. It was the land of the gold rush. And I said, I'm going to just service them privately, discreetly. Nobody's going to know their business. There were no apps. There was just Matchmaker, uh, Match.com and JD. And I had come from that world of like one-on-one personal touch. So it was that kind of thing that I was going to do. And then I started doing it. Marie Claire came along. They read it. They wanted to do a story on me. It blew up. All the networks started calling. And the rest is written. But I will tell you this. I had a lot of hard times getting that reality show. I went up and down like a roller coaster. It was not like that many shows on television. There were no streamers. And I think it was only Survivor was on the air at the time. So I was under contract with ABC first. There's yeah. a lot of sh- So you have the business, you establish the business. It's wildly intriguing. You then reach out to networks. You do land a network Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the first show you landed. And then what I'm also curious about, because I know that you went from Bravo to the WWE network. Tell me about the power of TV, how that influenced your business. And then I'd like to get in the discussion about the the network exchange, the leverage negotiation. I'll tell you a quick story that you're going to laugh. So the article blows up and ICM is my agency at the time. Now I'm at WME and I used to be at Endeavor. And this is going to relate to you. And telepictures calls. And they said, we want to do a show with you as the host. Can you come up with anything? And I walk into the meeting with my, my assistant and the agents don't show up. They just don't show up. And I give them the pitch. And the pitch is, let's see if you know what the show is. A multimillionaire lives in Beverly Park. We had a client who was going to do this. He owned a helicopter paired and a huge guest house, about 10,000 square feet, plus his house was 50,000 square feet. He wanted to get married. He was 40. And he wanted to date several women. And the show goes like 25 women live in the guest house and one bachelor. And it's called The Millionaire. Is this Joe Millionaire? No, this is your oh, okay. show. This is bachelor. Millionaire. And Brooke, Brooke, Brooke was at the helm. Brooke was at the helm. You know who Brooke is from yeah. Warner Brothers. Brooke yep. is at the helm. And my agent gets a bad offer, like 100 grand in a lockout. There was no Chris Harrison at the time. And he goes, no. And I, it's Christmas time. And I'm like, what are you talking about? No. Are you insane? No, you just need to say yes. We'll worry about the next show. Because I went to film school. I always know it's about the NX product. You know, fight. Knock down, drag out, fight. And Brooke needs to make the deal. And it's this timely thing. And they're ready to do it. And la, la, la. Because it's based on my mixer. My mixer is based on Cinderella at the ball. 
Okay, that's what it is. Right. And so that's what my mixer is. My, my mom did mixers back in the in the 60s. That's where it comes from. And she's like, you need a new agent. We have to go in a new direction. They went to Mike Fleiss, who did Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire, and the rest was written. Now, nobody in Hollywood believed this story. One day, I'm with Howie Mandel, my agent, and MTV in the lobby, and a bunch of other people. My executive producer, Brooke, walks down, and she goes, did you know that Patty created The, the Bachelor? I never did anything to him because I love Rob Mills. I would never hurt Rob Mills in a million years. Like he is my God. I, he's one of my favorite people in television. He is and a beauty, but you literally created the bachelor. It was based on my mixer. And the gut in me said, that's okay. I actually casted it the first three years. There was a mixer with, uh, there was a bachelor with two millionaires. My girl, Alma, who was one of my girls, hated both the guys. She's the first one to reject the rose and walk out. Okay. But she called up. me on the back channel with one of the producer's phones and she's like, I hate it here. Get me out of here. And I'm like, just go into Rose Ceremony and say you don't want to be there anymore. She's like, Can I do that? Can I do that? Yes. True story. Then Chris and I become friends. I fix up Chris before he met his girlfriend. We become friends. We did a lot of events together. And he's like, We need to get you on. So I meet with Rob Mills and I and we hit it off. And then I never met Mike Fleiss. And that's the only reason I've done your after show. So I've always said I need to go on The Bachelor. Like I always wanted to be on Paradise. Oh, Paradise that's is my a, favorite. That's, that's my favorite show. out of all of them. What would, it, what would it cost the franchise to get you to go on Paradise? I would do anything to go on Paradise. But so I you go for free? I don't, I don't know about that, but I, you know, it wouldn't be expensive <laughs> to ABC. I'd be reasonable. But I mean, like the when, when Corinne was in the water... With DeMarco, I was like, mm -hmm. if I was there, I would have pulled them out and gone, what the fuck is going on? Like a millionaire matchmaker moment. And then what oh. would have happened is they wouldn't have shut down because then I would have got them to come to Jesus. No producer would have been able to invade that space because I wouldn't let it. I I'm blown my away. I'm, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. One, do you have, you could be a producer too. Now I'm depressed. I go off and, you know, sheep and I go in the corner and I'm like, well, that's it. My days of television are over. It's done. And I get a call from Brooke saying, you need an agent. She introduces me to someone through someone else. Michael Brooke, this guy who ran the WB, he gets me my agent, Lance Klein, who's the Kardashians agent. Yep. Yep. He's like under, I meet Ari and Ari sweeping the floors, Lance. I like to tell that story because I was like, Lance was sweeping the floors when I met him. And then <laughs> I was agent at WME. And then he's, and then we get a call from ABC that we want to do millionaire matchmaker in ABC. Everybody got fired there. I was on a holding contract for you. I'm like, again, I'm not getting Here we go. So it's like everybody pay attention guys, because nothing always goes smoothly. You know, this from TV. Yeah. So it goes, so I go, Dan, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. Then Simon Cowell calls me. I want to produce you. And then he gets sued by American inventor and that goes South. Then Ryan Seacrest goes, I want to produce you. And then he doesn't get the $20 million deal at E yet. That was his big break. And then I get a call from, I had done a, a little sizzle called self-made with taxi cab confessions guy. And they go, you know, we sent it over to E and Lance goes, you can't send it to anyone else. And they send it to Bravo and Amy and Corey, Corey runs oxygen, Amy and Francis, Francis is the president, see me and go, we want her. And I had to leave Ryan because I never signed anything. Yeah. I felt so guilty. He didn't talk to me for a really long time. And I, he always tried to find the replacement to me, another show like me. But I love you, Ryan. You know that I love you. <laughs> How do you and do? Did he so, find right? one? I love Simon too. And so I get my break. And it takes like a year after the pilot to test to see if this thing is going to go. You have to remember, Bravo only had blowout. They just had done Orange County. Jeff and I were at the same time, Lewis. 
there's only Survivor on the air and, and The Bachelor was just coming up. So it wasn't a time of a lot of shows. You couldn't say, I'm going to be like her and I'm going to be like this one. There was no TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, <laughs> IGTV, none of this clubhouse, none of this shit was going on. Twitter, Twitter even around. I don't think Twitter was around. Maybe um, MySpace. Yeah. my You know what? Or Napster. I think it was Napster. Napster. <laughs> And it was like, you know, I got the, sh- I remember my, my executive producer saying to me, get ready to be famous. I'm like, famous, fuck that. I'm just here for the money to blow my business <laughs> up. Like it's an infomercial. Sure. I had no idea what was going to happen. And so what, tell me about the power of TV. Once you landed that, how oh did your God, life change? So How'd your business change? It was good and bad. It started out great. And then because I screamed at people, they thought I was going to scream on my real business, but you all, you know, and I know we have TV personas, and then we have real personas. Mm-hmm. And you know when you get a producer note what you have to do. I can't even watch reality anymore because I'm like producer note. That's real. That's fake. That's real. Sure. That's like I'm just pick it, it apart. It like it's like people who watch scripted TV, you know, or in scripted television, they pick it all apart. So, but I still watch the fucking Bachelor, and I still feel bad when they cry in the car. I don't know they what it is. But you know that they're, they're they've been drunk with no food, no sleep, skinny, and they're dying after two weeks. They're like, get me to the place where there's food, you know? Because that's so hard. I didn't I'm cry. I bawled. I went ham when I went back to my room. I went nuts. But the whole time, because producers are good, right? They're like, I'm so, so dude. I'm sorry. I didn't see it coming. Oh my god! You think you're like you're talking your mom. They get mommy. you. Oh god. But, uh, they, they get you. Tell us how you feel. We are so sorry. You know, and then like, you never hear from them again after the show's over. Like, you know, it's the love. Oh <laughs> yeah. They're my best friend. And then they're gone. But that's, yeah. you know, there, there's money that we're talking about money, right? There's the, a lot of money behind ratings and ratings are driven by a lot of uh, emotional changes. <laughs> what about you? When you changed the network, what was that about? I mean, okay, was that so a money play? We, it was a huge money thing. We started out very low. We grew up, grew over time, you know, look at Bethany. She made a fucking oh, industry. My. God, so, I mean, like, it. why was it not? You know, we were friends, and I used to make a drink similar to that. So we, she would look at me, and she made me test all her, her her drinks to see which one was the best one at her book signing. I'm a futurist, but I need, but I'm like the person that like, doesn't make the biggest money in the room because I'm very spiritual, I'm very metaphysical, so I'm always trying to help people. And the only reason I left is because of contract negotiations. I own the trademark to Millionaire Matchmaker, so we had a little impasse. By the time they came back. I had taken a deal at WE because I was friends with the president of WE, Mark Juris. You know, okay, so I'll give you an example. Ashley was on my show. This is a good sure. So yeah. Ashley's on my show on WE, crying her eyes out. I'm <laughs> Not <a> Ashley. <laughs> Anacata, crying her eyes out. And my show owner's like, I've had enough of her. You need to set her fucking straight. She screams in the room. I feel like I'm being produced. She's going to kill me for telling the story. And then Spike, my show owner, who's like my best friend in the show, he comes over. He's like, Patty, I swear to God, I have an earpiece in my ear. I swear yeah. to fucking God, you're going to check her. So I said, here's what we're going to do. Give me your phone. And I read with, with Jared's writing. Mm-hmm. And I go, listen, he likes you. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't want me. He doesn't want me. And I'm going, listen to her. No guy is going to tell you not to do the show if he's not interested. You're an idiot. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna make him jealous. I picked the hottest guy. He kind of looked like you. He's very handsome. I cut oh, his hair gosh. a little bit. She's like, I don't want him. I'm like, play the game, you fucking idiot. Okay, play that fucking game. Doesn't play the game. It ends up bad. She doesn't want the guy. La la la. She 
goes off. She meets Kevin. They have a little, I don't even know if she left her virginity with Kevin. I'm not sure about that. (laughs) And so they go off to winter games. Everything's great. And then she's getting into her work, making money for the first time. She doesn't have to go back to the secretarial job or whatever she did. Mm -hmm. And he sees her. And I've talked to Jared about this. He sees her in a whole different light. And then he realizes he's lost her because she's with Kevin. So they're all going off him and Nick to some vacation in some island. And Kevin can't go because he's a firefighter in Canada or whatever. Can't go. So he said, oh, here's my chance. And he kisses her at the airport. And I asked him, why did you like her then where all those years she liked you? And she said, because for once she let go of me and I realized I could lose her. Wow. And that's the power of a teaching moment, which says you got to get busy with your own shit. And if the guy's meant to be your guy, he will show fucking up independent cells. And the reverse of that, when I was trying to break the friend zone with Caitlin, the way I actually broke the friend zone is I got asked out by a girl who was like known in the TV space. And I took a, I took a picture of her. I said, Kate, you know, Kate and I were, were like best friend, like boys now talking about this. So I sent a picture. I'm like, I, I just got asked out on this day. What do you think? You know, should I go on it? And she starts chirping like, hey, come on, you could do better than that. And she, I could tell she's getting all fired up. I'm like right there. Those walls started coming down. But Patty, one thing I want to ask you. <laughs> know that that was exciting oh yeah see i was i was using your tactics before i even knew met and learned from you you Um, you, baby you got the jew in you look at this best husbands let's not forget there you go and david and i think we have a new task we're gonna set pat we're gonna do a matchmaking session with patty and then if it happens i want to come back yeah and if it it works though ready for this angle patty because we're money guys if it works we might have to charge you the same price as you charge everyone else. What do you think? We can talk. I'll fix up your friends. Just tell me. I love it. Uh, I got a, I got a question about Teeth. So for anybody that doesn't know, they might hear you change networks. They're like, wow, what a badass story. Entrepreneur found a way to work with the people that, hey, I took uh, that a risk. you took a risk, but what is, and, and if this, if I'm overstepping my boundary, just tell me to shut up. Cause I could deal with it. But like in a, in a TV contract, what are TV, like how much do TV contracts get paid? They like 10,000, hundred thousand millions. Like how does that work? I don't remember the going rate, I think to get, not me, but going, cause I was the star of my show. Remember if you're doing an ensemble show, you have to, they have to pay you X amount of dollars and they have five or six other people like a housewife show. It, yeah. can, it can be like four to eight grand, depending on what it is, you know, and how many shows. Cause you remember they have a lot more episodes than I do. I have like, okay. the most I think I ever had was 15. I think it started at eight and went to 10. It, you know, it grew over the years as the ratings go up. But if you're in a Hill situation, MTV had serious deep pockets with Lauren Conrad. She was making over a hundred grand. I think Tori was too. It depends who you are and what your store, star value is. And then your Q score, because they test your Q score. To What's see a Q score? Who, Q score is like who in the world in the Nielsen's knows who you are and are they paying mm. attention and not changing their channel at the quarter hours? They want you to stay. But things have changed because we're in Streamerville now. Sure. So like in Netflix, you would never get the ratings that a, a Selling Sunset would get or a Bling Empire would get on Bravo because it goes up on one network at the same time. There's no back back end where it goes up in the United States, then it goes up in Australia, then it goes up in UK. And the best thing you can do is learn the business. I got really lucky. And most of the most of the money's made, honestly, like the real money's made after the show anyway and doing all this other stuff. When my book came out, I wanted a snipe where I was walking in the bottom of the screen. Okay, so I gave Bravo 10% of my book so that they would promote the book. Brilliant. And Bethany Absolutely did, brilliant. And she actually got, you know, made a fortune off the skinny girl, but she didn't do, I actually went to them and said, I want you to promote this. I'll give you money off of my book. And that's what I did. So that you, can, like that. you can bring integration in as far as the advertising 
department doesn't get upset. It's not competitive to a sponsor. And you can say, I'm, I brought in 1-800-Flowers. I brought in Sense. I brought in Taiku. I brought my wine in. You know, they have to give permission. They have to do their research. Yep. But, you know, you're bringing them money. They're going to love you. So Patty, those are some really solid tips for business contracts. And those are tips that I'm going to take to the bank. And I, I'm in the process now of writing you want a book. To divorce, right? Yeah. So and I, I'm actually writing a book now. So I'm going to come okay. to pick your brain on how to market that here I'll soon. Give you, I'll give you a little uh, shout out, testimonial. Oh, that's amazing. But I do want to hear about the divorce process. And so what are your thoughts on prenums are? There's nobody bigger in the business than Laura Wasser. So you want to get at your knee and pay attention to her playbook. She has a website for people who are not rich that want to get divorced, Laura Wasser. She is the biggest divorce lawyer in the world. There's nobody bigger, better, okay? Okay. She started from the street. She lives by her own principles. I love her to death. And prenup, whether you're rich or poor. So let me explain why. You bring the flat screen TV in, she brings the armor that's been in the family for a thousand years, right? Mm -hmm. When you break up, you might bitch and say, I want that arm more. And she might say, I want that flat screen TV. If you have a prenup prior to that, even though you're not rich, you can have a property prenup that says, I get this, you get that. I get the car, you you know, you get the dish, dishwasher. It doesn't matter. And the problem is most people do not put it on paper because it's not romantic. Well, fuck you. It's going to be really unhappy when you get divorced. And divorce, divorce rate right now is what, like 50%? Actually through the roof because of COVID. They were calling their attorneys on speed dial, realizing, I don't know if I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person. I mean, 24 right. seven. Now that I'm actually forced to hang out with them, I don't want to spend the rest of my life. With them. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> the other thing is children come in and there's complications. Yeah. Who gets custody? Who, you know, most guys want 50, 50 now, so they don't have to spend money. But then again, they don't really want to babysit their kids. You know, I'm going to work. And the woman's like, I'm going to work too. Fuck you. So they're doing this co-nesting thing. Have you heard about this? I haven't heard of the co-nesting. It's a little bit more for the upscale individual. Okay, so they have me. the house, they, they grew the kids up and they leave the kids in the house. So the kids don't move. Then they have a condo down the street or an apartment down the street. And each one takes turns every other week living in the apartment. But the kids remain in the house. So their routine is not disrupted. How fucking affected is that? Wow. I come from a divorce family. I'm like, we didn't, my father, I saw every other Sunday. Unbelievable. Like, that, right? that is yeah. wild. So the people that can't call you and I see some, like I saw one, tell me if this is true. Some people will pay up to $10,000 for a lunch with Patty. What is it? First of all, is that true? Secondly, when you're, when people are paying this kind of money for all the skills and, and advice that you're giving, do you, are there like guarantees with this or how does that work? If it's love advice, I'm going to mm-hmm. give them the best stuff. I had last time I did a lunch, I did a couple and they were on the brink of divorce. And Crazy. I made them remember what it was like to love each other. She hit it, you know, they went home, they had sex, they called me and they said, you know, we're not getting divorced anymore. And she, I go, because they can't, they forgot connection. They stopped yeah. criticizing. They were real criticizers of each other. And, we, and both of them had mothers that criticized them. So they were, that's, that's where your money goes well better served than $150,000 in Vegas. Right. Exactly. Like the other day I did Clubhouse. Clubhouse was great. Rank the social media forums top down for me. That's with Twitter. I know Twitter's the goal is going to be really gold when they go audio like Clubhouse, which is going to happen. Watch the stock on Twitter. Um, so I thought I always kept Twitter. I didn't cancel my account. I have a half a million on there. And do you think Clubhouse will be the future? Or do you think Twitter's angle will take over? 
all audio is the future. So what you're doing right now is really the future. You're, even though you're videoing it, sure. you still got both sides of the street and YouTube can take it up. And they, I mean, YouTube is my therapy. So like where, like Twitter's road rage, YouTube is my therapy. <laughs> so I, I love, love YouTube. When I'm depressed or I want to learn something, I go to YouTube. That's like my God. I will probably at some point do a YouTube channel at some point. When we were at, under contract, I was under contract last year for TNT to do a new show, which was yeah. And unfortunately, we were in pre-pro the week we got shut down. And then I lost it because everyone got fired there. Mm -hmm. I was with Scout, who did Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like I had a great team, but it didn't work out. So now I'm looking for my next show. And But I was under contract for years. So I haven't been able to do YouTube because I've always been contracted to the network. And you know, that's kind of competitive, right? Yeah, of course. I'm not contracted to anybody. So you can do what I want. So but now you can do the YouTube. Audio is the future. I think you guys are on the right road. Okay. I think one of the reasons is, is because like Paris Hilton just got a platform at iHeartRadio. Yep. She's producing a lot of people. They know that audio is the future. Your car talks to you. Your refrigerator talks to you. Your house talks to you. Siri talks to you. Alexa. It's it's the future. It's you the really future too, because to your point, we live in a world where speed is like it's moving by the second. Everything is becoming faster. Change is the only consistent. And when it's when it's audio, to your point, you can multitask. You can drive and listen. You can work out and listen. You can be sitting in your underwear in your bed, having a glass of wine, and still be able to participate at the same full effect if you were wearing a freaking blazer in the middle of a you know a video doing that. And, you know, I think, I think you're right with that. Audio is the play. I'm curious, uh, Patty, from your angle, obviously a very successful um, a visionary and entrepreneur and woman. I've heard two big words today. And the two big words have been love and money. And then the whole process of bridging the gap for you. You know, mm -hmm. let me ask you, what, what drives you? What do you love more? Are you more of a love person or a money person? I'm a love person, but I do like money. But I'm a love person. I used to only date men who were hot that didn't have money. So I made, I took the COVID experience of internally working on myself and I didn't date. I didn't, you know, hunt. Um, I actually said, I'm going to take this time to really work on me. And then I realized I had a disconnect. So when I was a child, my dad lost a lot of money. He made bad business decisions. He was very yeah. well made bad. And one day we were rich and the next day we were poor. It was very unsettling. And he pointed to me in the alcoholic stage. He was in and said, you made me lose my money. And I was 11. I took it in. So you take in statements that your parents have basically mantra to you and you believe they're real. Subconsciously, I find that tall, handsome guy, he's athletic, kind of a simple dude, didn't make a lot of money and I would have to support him. And eventually I got sick. My adrenals crashed. I got Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid disease. Wow. And I went, where is this coming from? Because every disease comes from the mind. Okay. Did you get that? The mind is the precursor to disease. What you feel and think, okay, well, eventually if you get depressed and stressed enough, we'll turn into a disease. So I said, oh my God, I have been dating people that I've been rescuing. No good comes from rescuing, by the way. And I'm Unless exhausted. Unless you're rescuing dogs. Okay. okay. Well, I'm talking about humans. We're talking about humans. <laughs> I know, so I, know. I, I basically <laughs> was rescuing a man who should be rescuing me, by the way. I'm the Cinderella. <clears throat> He's not the Cinderella. And I said, I said that what I was happening is that I was working out my shit with my father and they all were like my father in some weird way too. So I was working out my shit with my father, proving to him that I'm the better man 
when I was the child in the situation. So now I'm not doing that anymore. So for, for you to ride this ride, you better have something. There we go. I love that. Yeah. I just find it so fascinating because you've talked a lot about like love and relationships, but you've also talked a lot about business and, and how you take your FaceTimes and, and how you work on not yeah. just love advice, but business and branding advice. Everything mm-hmm. that you've said has related back to your childhood and your upbringing and what's instilled mm-hmm. in you. And um, I mean, Jay and I always talk, we get in like deep, deep talks about what starts at a very surface level conversation um, and always ends up back at the same, like the same root of causes. I just, I just think for our listeners, like it's so fascinating, not separating what makes you successful in your life and your career, but also your love life. Like they're two, they're tied together. You shouldn't treat them separately. So uh, I just think it's fascinating. So what we talked about man, uh, visionary manifestation, pretty much you had the, the eyes of bachelor before bachelor was created. You had the thought process of some of the, uh, uh, Bethany Frankel stuff. You got a scoop. I've never told anyone that. Wow. I've loved that. Let's go. But I want to trading secrets. Trading secrets. Trading secrets for but I let's take by any network. I can say what I want right now. So fucking you right, go. you can. All right. So the the psychic business. So I learned that reason, like you're a vision, like oh, you yeah. obviously have had this ability for a while. I of course I know how the psychic world works from a high level, but can you tell me one, how you came into it and two, how like the business side of that works? Oh, okay. So I was psychic since I was a child. I was adopted. I later find out my grandmother was like a shaman on the reservation. It was Cherokee. I didn't know that about her, but, um, I had premonitions when I was a kid. I knew when my parents were going to get divorced. I knew when my, my grandfather was going to die. And I knew when my aunt and uncle were fooling her, fooling around with other people. So I would tell my mother, she'd be like, what are you talking about? She told me I was crazy. And then I got really into the psychic phenomenon. My dad bought an encyclopedia set. And with it came this book series called Man, Myth, and Magic. It was all about witchcraft. And I decided I was going to become a Wiccan. So I studied in a coven. I was a Wiccan. Studied comparative religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, all that. And then I just realized all roads led to manifestation creation. So I studied with Esther and Jerry Abraham in 1989. I started out with doing law of attraction. I was always an astrologer. So I could look at what's your birthday? What's your October chart? 24th, 1988. I'm a Scorpio. Scorpios need to be petted and loved. Yeah. And you're also very loyal, very yeah. fixed in your to a fault. Actually you don't make a lot of waves in like living or shit like that. Cause you like steady flow. So that's a good, that's a good mix. Wait, can you give me like, what's, what's next in my life? What do I need to know? Okay. Um, (laughs) let me see where the planet's I'm like literally putting you on the spot. Are you investing in tech? How the fuck did you do that? That company is going to be mega bucks. You, you could sit back and not work again. Let's fucking go. Let's go. All right. You know what, Patty, I could sit here and talk to you for days. I know you have, you have a schedule that's tight. We have a schedule that's tight. So we're going to, what we're going to do here is we have a section right at the end of the podcast. And what we do is we, we call open the vault rapid questions. So we get, we just fire out questions, your natural intuition that comes out. And I, I mean, I'm just curious. So we're going to get right into that. We're going to open the vault here with Patty. Let's do it. So the first question I just had actually your bachelor fan. So I just had Dean on the podcast and we talked all about the ring. He thinks the ring is bullshit. It's just a nonsense flex. You don't need a ring. You can put a rubber band about around your finger. What are your thoughts on the ring? Face? Are you <laughs> fucking kidding? Only cheap men say the ring is not important. He's cheap. He's cheap. <laughs> all right. So you are there. That's the intuition. That is the thought. That's what we like to see. What is the first brand deal that you ever closed? Whether it was like a, you know, it was a, a big brand deal on social media or it was a big brand deal for a commercial. Like what's the big brand well, I deal? I think you it remember? was 1-800-Flowers where I had, they had the patty bouquet. <laughs> that is really cool. You first date dinner, who pays for the bill? When someone says they could split it, who should pay for the bill? 
Assuming it's oh, a male and a female. Is this a date? What is this? If there's a date dinner. So you go on a date. Oh, no, 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 no. He who asks the person out pays. And that's generally the man asking the woman out. I'm old school. Okay. So when, so that's shit. the rule of thumb. Whoever is asking is. split shit, you don't get sex. FYI. Is that part of your rule book? No, that's true. Women don't <laughs> get sexual when they have to split the bill because unless you're drunk, because they're like, what was the point? I could have paid for my own food tonight. Why'd I get up looking so pretty? And now he's making me pay for the, the food. Kiss that, my goes, that goes back to your subconscious too. Cause We're your subconscious gets all screwed up. We're not talking about college students. We're talking about regular people. So sure. College. Okay. Yeah. If a girl offers to split the bill, does she really mean it? No. Or is it like a test? That's yeah. A it's test. like a test. That's a test. Okay. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about because we talked a lot about the girl like going out with the guy. What about, do you ever see, uh, how often do you see the reverse of like these mega millionaire female girls and these, these like um, young dudes are chasing and grabbing it? I, go. I had all the housewives in New York City calling me to fix them up. It's rampant. There are more women right now without men because men are pussies. Sorry, they are. You're not one, you're not one. But most men are pussies. They're, they're afraid. We, we've got Me Too going on. We've got Cuomo, you know, his situation. I just got off the phone with a multimillionaire who's afraid to ask a girl out because what if he asked the wrong person out at the bar, at the restaurant, and then she calls sexual harassment? And it's not like we don't want to hear these women's stories. I'm Me Too. But when men are now afraid, They're, if they go back to work, there will be no water cooler sex anymore. You're so not going to you, get late work. How do you protect you the powerful, really in, the powerful individual that has money and reputation, whether it's a male or female? How are they protected? Do you do you suggest like signing NDAs and stuff? Well, that's what A Rod did. I didn't say that. I mean, my girls know that I know my guys and my my the reason my club is so successful is because we're discretionary and we protect every single person who comes into the club. So we're constantly in the conversation. We're making the date. We're hearing about the date. We're getting them on the phones. We're understanding what happened. So there's no misunderstanding. I have never been sued, knock on wood. So there's no misunderstanding. That's why my club is so successful. Out in the real world, you could get screwed. You could get screwed. It's a crazy wolf and it's not real. So it's like, you don't know what's going to happen either way. You got to be careful today. You got to use Spokio app to background check someone, make sure they have no restraining orders. You know, on your show, like my show, we used to do background checks on people and make oh, sure yeah. there's nothing, nothing illegal, unethical, immoral going on. You got to do deep dives on social media. I mean, the bachelor's going to do a deeper dive than they've ever done after Rachel. So, you know, you're going to have to use your brain, uh, check their LinkedIn, use Spokio, the background app, make sure they are who they say they are. So if you're getting it from a family friend, you want the referral. They come with credibility and endorsement. But like if a player's a player, like where are you thinking all of a sudden he's not going to be a player? Now, does that mean a player cannot become a stayer? No, but you got to like do the George Clooney one-on-one, which is what Amal did. She like turned him down until he got serious and said, listen, if you want me, these are my rules. I am a boundaries girl. You got to follow my rules. Those breadcrumbs to me, or I'm not. I'm not playing your games. David, do your female clients prefer older men, same age men or younger no, men? No, they want somebody who's equal to them financially, but they, they usually, I date usually 10 years younger than me. I'm yeah. like in my fifties and I date guys in their forties as well as in their fifties. But the older guys don't like me for some reason. I always get really young, like 30 year olds hitting on me. I don't know. Well, they're intimidated. They're, they're intimidated. intimidated. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know if it's intimidated or they want the young 25 year olds because they're kind of immature, those old kooks. You know, they get to a certain age and 
you know, they can't get it up and they're weird and they're strange and they're sialising and viagrine. And they're like, you know, oh, I want a younger girl. I was thinking like that's going to change their dick. It's not. <laughs> I'm still going to be want, want, want. Oh, Patty, you are I electric. I, de- I deal with them all fucking day long. This is, by- all right, this is electric. You are electric. Your energy is out of control and I freaking love it. We end every podcast, Patty, with the the name of the show's trading secrets. So whether it's the psychic world, it's the matchmaker millionaire world, it's the TV show, ins and outs of Patty. Give me a trading secret from your business life, your personal life, something that the average consumer would be like, wow, that's fascinating. I feel like I'm an Andy's show because I always get nervous when we play games and I always tell him I suck at it. I'm terrible. <laughs> um, okay. Well, you've I done a great job so far. You traded, a se- you traded a secret that you came up with a bachelor. You've traded That's secrets true. about Jay's going to get rich off an investment. Okay. I think the secret to my success, and I will give this as more of a wisdom thing, okay. is that I was told... I could never make this company a millionaire's club. And I did it. I was told I could never get into scripted television by the powers of the people that work for me. And I got into Hallmark making movies. I don't listen to anyone but myself. Do they pay your bills at the end of the day? No. Are they a ward of your estate? No. So you need to listen to your gut and keep going. When I lost that first show, um, The Bachelor, I thought my career was over. Like, there's no way I could get back on TV because I was told even after we got to ABC, Lance told me like, that's it, you're done. But you know, another show's around the corner. Maybe it's The Bachelor. Hello, Rob Mills. Mike Fleiss, I'll take you to Mastro's. What do I have to do? He's <laughs> <laughs> got Mike, it's on the house. I'm only it's our psychic show. That's the next show. Really? I'm it's telling our, you. It's our psychic show. When you make these comments, I don't have words. I'm like blown away. Careful it's- of Caitlin getting pregnant, they just told me. Okay, I'm just like, you know that. They just said that in my ear. I'm like, what? So for anybody here that's listening to you, that they're just absolutely blown away, similar to what David, Evan, and I are, uh, tell everyone where they can find the multiple things you have going on. So um, you can DM me at Patty Stanger, that's with an I, or you can go to Millionaire's Club with an S, 123.com, either or. Ding, ding, ding. We are ringing the closing bell on the Patty Stanger Trading Secrets episode with David and Jason, where we will break down and recap our guest. And David, as usual, he's the voice of the viewer, the curious Canadian who will get my take on everything we just discussed. Holy smokes. There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, David, what's your take on Patty, that episode? What are you thinking? I felt like I was on a treadmill, just like trying to keep up. She was, her energy was off the charts. What was your speed? What miles per hour were you going on the treadmill? Well, I'm not a very fast guy. Like you've seen me run. It's probably the ugliest display of running in the history of running. So I'm a solid like six and a half, seven guy, but trying to keep up to her. I was like in the eights, in the nines for sure. So she was at like 10, 11, would you say? 10, 11 on the downhill. I'm on the incline. I'm, I'm, I'm way, way back. So, uh, but she was pretty electric. Uh, you said it a few times. I had some takeaways. Let's hear it. Uh, three takeaways is from that episode, Patty Stanger created The Bachelor. Not everything is easier for rich people. <laughs> and I absolutely need to get on her daily caffeine regimen because like her energy was off the charts. Off the charts. So she was something though. What'd you think? Those were good takeaways. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting to hear about the Q score. I'm familiar with the Q score. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. She did dive into some business things and man, she made uh, wealthy men sound like some pretty big assholes. So we'll have to talk about that, but it's always fascinating learning more about the whole dating game and the money behind the 
business she's in. I the thing that shocks me the most still the sticker shock of a ten thousand dollar lunch with Patty. But I guess she did find a way to justify the monetization of that. She's made a brand out of it. She's she shows her value. She said, you know, it's not just love advice, and if it is, she said it's the best love advice. Um, she talked about branding. She talked about you know therapy at the end of the day. But I definitely think there's something to be said about her dominating and capitalizing on an industry that sometimes has like a cheap feel to it in terms of like online dating or, or, or just virtual dating in general. Question, have you ever used a dating app? Yeah. I mean, so first of all, I, th- I agree with that. I mean, I agree with the fact that it's interesting that she found a way to dominate the industry and she went to like the pinnacle of it so that she could make the most in that world and have the greatest impact. And it's fascinating that the smartest people in the world that could drive the greatest success, make the most money, the biggest companies, they could create things that we couldn't dream of creating. And then just simple things like conversation, consistency, and things like that is where they struggled. But back to your point, there's a reason why the dating site and dating app game is huge. I have a quick, funny story. I was, you know, one time I was visiting Rob Gronkowski and it was when it was back in the days, we were both single and we were, we were, he was, I was like telling him what Bumble is. I'm like, you got to check it out. So he actually got on Bumble, made a profile. And the funniest thing is, and within like three minutes, he got kicked off Bumble <laughs> because the reason, ready for it? Because he was imitating a famous celebrity. Okay. So they thought he had a fake Rob Gronkowski profile. And I think his whole point was he was going to go on for like 10 seconds and get off. I found it hilarious. Solid name drop. Um, I thought you were going to dodge a question there too. So oh. tell me about your Bumble experience. Bumble experience. Yeah. I mean, when, when I, were you on it? When were you on it? So I was on it probably 2000. Oh man. I don't know. 2016, 2015. Those okay. are like two big years I was on it. What are your yeah, I was in a relationship for like three, four years and that didn't work out. And I wasn't back in the dating game and here and there I dabble on Bumble. I wasn't like a Bumbleholic. Like, you know, I wasn't on there not Like I was for five years of my life. Come on, were you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was moving all over the country and like did you have you just swipe, 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 or you should No, I'm a select I'm a selective swiper. Okay. <laughs> you know me, I'm a selective swiper. All right. That's I think you got what's your what's your one takeaway? I'm sure some of our listeners and followers are on the apps and uh in the bumble game or or the hinge game or the there's so many of them. I don't even I've lost count now that I'm thankfully off of them. Um, for good reason. What's your takeaway? What's your one takeaway? I think like, just like we learned over the pandemic, business, personal, anything, time is so freaking efficient. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's qualify. It's like anything, like whether you're going for an interview or you're going on a date on Bumble, make sure you really qualify the person, who they are, what they believe in, because man, you're just, you're spending so much time and energy on dating and everything and money and getting ready for it. And I just think, really qualify. That would be my one piece of advice. I would say like authenticity is everybody's greatest asset on a date and in life. Own that. Own your authenticity. Don't own a Rolls Royce. It's a waste of money. Just own that authenticity. You'll be fine. So, but Jason, I I got, I got some, uh, I want to do obviously do rapid fire questions with uh, all our guests. So I got some rapid fire business questions related to some of the things Patty got up because Sometimes I wish she went into a little more detail. It was impossible to try and get a word in there because she was going a million miles an hour. You going a million miles an hour to keep up. So a couple of things that I thought of, voice of the viewer. Fire I'm away, like, hey, what does this mean? Number one, she mentioned in Changing Networks, keeping IP for her show, going network to network. What is an IP? Intellectual property. That is the ownership of exactly what the brand is and, and how and if you own it. I mean, so the big thing about this trading secrets is we are with the network 
Dear Media, but we have full control of the IP. So if things weren't to work out with Dear Media, we could take this brand, take this show and go anywhere we want. Now, one of the interesting things is this created a huge discussion around Call Her Daddy with Barstool Sports. Right. And so they were employees getting paid. They had a huge disagreement as to what they should get paid. They went toe-to-toe with Barstool Sports. And then they went toe-to-toe with one another. And only one of the podcast uh, co-hosts made out in that situation. But you know that might have to be a whole episode in its own, just breaking down the economics of Call Her Daddy because it's absolutely fascinating. But when you own the IP, like Call Her Daddy did not, um, and like Patty does, you have the ability to jump network to network and to leverage appropriately, just like Patty alluded to. Do you own the IP for Trading Secrets? Yeah, I said that. Yeah. So okay. with we own, yep, we own the IP. I own the IP for trading secrets. I'm with Dear Media. And should we ever want to leave if this show does well, we can leave. All right. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. There you go. Uh next question. Q score. She mentioned uh LC from the Hills earning a hundred K an episode because of her Q score. What the hell is a Q score? <laughs> so that it's a it's a genius thing uh that she brought up. I've actually never heard anyone talk about it, but what it does is it it measures really the appeal of someone that's on TV or you know like in commercials they'll see like the appeal of the brand or a company and stuff like that and it's generated by surveys that ask people like either it's a brand or a celebrity or something like that like a, B, C, D, or E. Is that one of your favorites? Do you consider that very good? Do you consider it good? Do you consider it fair? Do you consider it, consider it poor? And there's these, uh, even an F answer, which is I've never heard of it. And it gives uh, production executives a score that will align with different characters to say, we need those people. And I have to assume, I could be wrong. I have no information, but I have to assume The Bachelor probably does this from a business perspective. Yes, They probably see who is doing well on their Q score. And those are the people that they will probably make a lead. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. This one's probably going to be not as exciting, but I I heard it and I don't know it. So I got to ask it. What is Series A funding? (laughs) This is why you are the beauty of all beauties, the voice of the viewer. So Series A funding is funding that a company will actually do prior to going public. It's one of the first stages of funding once they've received some type of track record of success. And so typically Series A funding will usually start anywhere from like, you know, $2 million of funding to it's like 15 to $20 million of funding. It's a way that you... A lot of these people are like, Oh, I was in Uber early. I was in some of these big Facebook early. That's an investment made by an investor. And they're making it before they have... like It's a very early stage investment. It's before people really know what's going to happen or what the future will predict. Therefore, it's got higher risk but it's got huge returns. And in 2020, there were so many big tech companies that average Series A deal was 15-ish million dollars. Crazy okay. stuff. Okay. Okay. Learning something every day. There you go. Uh, there you go. Patty gave some advice. She says uh, her biggest advice to her clients were that they are enough. She said, never get into the three C's. No credit, no, no credit card, no condo, no cash. What are your three C's for relationship advice? Yeah. When she said no credit card, no condo, no cash, it took me a minute. I'm like, wait a second. The, the, these guys are giving their significant other and or like we established in this conversation, these females are giving the, guys a credit card. They're buying them a condo. They're giving them chunks of cash. It's not even their significant other. It's to be their significant other. It's their like terms of like, if I do this, 
then maybe, then maybe it's not even that they're together yet. It's ridiculous. I mean, if that's the advice that these people need, like David, let's fucking start a match millionaire club. <laughs> like she deals with the guys. Maybe we could do it with all the super successful females. I mean, they'd probably like, we don't want your advice. We are badass <laughs> bitches and we're doing this on our own and we don't need Patty or any of those rich dudes either. Anyway, my three C's for advice. Okay. Confidence is a big one. Okay. I think you should have, you should be like independently established and confident with yourself. You should be able to communicate, and yes. communicate well. I think that's a big one. I'm gonna throw a few out there. I think care and consistency are just huge. Like they can't, you know, just being consistent with who you are and how you are as a person. And if we're gonna talk money, forget about credit card and buying condos and cash. I think it's fair to have open discussions about like what your credit is. We've talked about this and yep. like what the money situation is. So there are my like fucking 18 C's. Communications n- number one for sure. I think hundred. Um, you've never heard of Sugar Baby? Never heard of Sugar Baby. Come on. Well, Sometimes so like, what actually, the, what actually is it? A Sugar Baby is exactly that. It's it's girls who make a living or a career off of rich people buying them things and just leveraging that, and maybe saying that they'll meet them for dinner. Maybe saying that you know, if you send me this, then I'll meet you, or before I Facetime you, then you got to buy me this. It's like a full on industry, like pe- like like careers, like hundreds of thousands of dollars females can make by in the sugar baby industry. It's- so here's here's where I'm... And this is where we got to get OnlyFans CEO. But yeah. why would you not just go to OnlyFans then? Why would you actually be because, a sugar baby? Because it's like low key. Like is you don't there, ever have to meet these guys. You don't have to put yourself out there. for this? Oh yeah. Is it like a I, company? There's hey, multiple. It's an baby. industry. God, I can't believe I'm going to put this in my fucking <laughs> internet history here. Sugarbaby.com. Kalen, Kalen's going to go through Kalen's going to go through your internet history. <laughs> it is so How smart. How to be goes, a sugar this, baby? Oh, I spelled it wrong. This site can't be... Okay, here. Let's see if this goes. What about, oh, Jesus. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, this is hilarious. No way. Okay, everybody go to sugarbaby.com. <laughs> it brings you to Tootsie Roll. It's the Tootsie oh, that's Roll w- website. Oh, that's not right. Wait, did Tootsie Roll buy it? No, seriously. That's weird. We're going to do some more research. I'm going to no, come back at you. I'm telling you, there's no research to be done. Anybody that's here, you go to sugarbaby.com. It brings you to tootsieroll.tootsie.com and that's their company page. Wow. That's crazy. I'm doing it right now too. Okay. Yeah, that's weird. All right. But yeah, anyway. no, it's a, it's a full-blown industry. That's wild. Last one. She said that audio is the future. She thinks audio is the future. Um, and that's why Clubhouse, Twitter, and podcasts um, are going to be the most successful. What are your thoughts on that? She's right. I think she's absolutely right. I think that people are getting more efficient by the second. And while we like to visualize our expectation from viewers, from like our eyes is such a high expectation. Like think about the movies that are out, like the matrix and the things we see. And now NFTs is crazy digital art. When we see things, our expectation for visual work is so high. These companies are spending so much money on it. So I think that our expectation for audio is much lower. And the ease of audio is so much it's just easier there's no barrier so i think podcast twitter clubhouse anything with audio is going to be right because like she said i could sit in my freaking pajamas and still bring value to people i agree do you not find it though like 
so much more stimulating, like pleasing for with video. Like I go on TikTok, like wormholes where I'm like two hours have gone. I'm like, oh my God, I've been, cause I'm watching these things. Like, I feel like if I'm listening to something, I'm not getting as lost. To your point though, that's inefficient, right? You're two True. hours, eyes, right. hand, everything. The other day I was on Clubhouse. I didn't, wasn't going to go on Clubhouse. I was just like, D, I was at a long day, went to the hot tub, I had a beer. I'm like, this can be my relaxation moment. And I was like, whoa, I could be on Clubhouse and listen and learn and relax and have a beer. It's like crazy multitasking. All right. I got a couple more really quick rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Uh, she brought up prenup. Are you going to get a prenup? I am, whether it's business contracts, uh, I think it's any type of contracts. I am very pro contract because I think what it does is it's proactive discussions, communication that should probably happen anyway about uh, what could happen if things didn't work out. And so, I'm pro contract. So okay. at the end of the day, that's what a prenup is. It's just a contract to say, God forbid things don't work out. Let's come to an easy exit here so it doesn't create fireworks and blowups and things like that. So I would be absolutely okay with it. But I know a lot of couples that have had insane conversations about this. Things I can't talk about because I've told those people I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people attach a ton of emotion with the prenup. I believe it. I believe it. It's still one of those sensitive, like not normalized topics. So, but you never know. This episode of Training Secrets, we hit on all things, right? The money behind TV, reality TV, contract negotiation, her business of the Millionaire's Club, her business of the psych evaluations and reading the future. I mean, almost probably every single side of Patty we saw and we talked about. And she even created The Bachelor before it started. So thank you for joining another episode of Trading Secrets. If you guys could please give us five stars and in your comments, give us any type of positive feedback, negative feedback, but give us the five stars. We'll listen to it. We'll adjust and make sure to put your Instagram handle because we are doing giveaways in the reviews. Thank you again for joining us on another episode of Trading Secrets and make sure to tune in next Monday for an episode you can't afford to miss.